Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. When our friends Skipper and Elaine invited us to go sailing off the coast of Cape Cod, Forrest and I were really excited. You see, Forrest is a good lake sailor, but Skip, he was an Olympic sailor. Plus, he had knowledge of the Atlantic, and with a name like Skipper, I mean, how could we go wrong? <laughs> Well, it was a nice sunny day with a gentle breeze as we hightailed it to make it through Woods Hole, which you have to get through by a certain time with the tide or you can't make it to Nantucket by nightfall. And as we went through Woods Hole, we didn't make it there, but I noticed that the buoys just were like pulled totally over to their side and I thought, wow, this is no, this is no little lake. <laughs> Well, by the time Nantucket came into view, the waves were growing and growing and growing, and I was becoming increasingly scared till I was gripping my seat in absolute anxiety. Boris <laughs> thought it was exhilarating. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Even with an Olympic sailor at the helm, I was petrified. I was so scared. I think it's the only time in my life that I wasn't able to complain. <laughs> All I could imagine was just falling into the ocean and becoming a piece of whale bait. Fortunately, Skipper earned his name that day and he masterfully sailed us over to the other side of the island where it was significantly calmer. But I know how fragile my faith was, even with Skipper at the helm. I was never so grateful for a sailor's skill as I was that day. Of course, when I read today's gospel, I immediately think of this event. I can imagine how frightening it was the disciples to get caught in that storm. And how incongruent it seemed that Jesus was asleep in the midst of their terror. And how grateful they ultimately were that Jesus was in the boat with them. It was after a day of peaceful service with Jesus teaching the crowd that the storm came. And that storm so tested the disciples' faith that Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? None of us has any idea how fragile our faith really is until we're in a situation that is totally outside our control. In reality, we have no more faith at any time than we have in the hour of trial. Faith that cannot bear testing is just self-confidence. Real faith in Jesus Christ trusts him when we do not understand 
why such a problem should befall us. Real faith in Jesus. Trust him even when our prayers appear to be unanswered. And we ask ourselves, is Jesus asleep? This severe storm was a special trial to the disciples. They had been tossed about it on that sea, and even they were experienced fishermen, a number of them, but they had never encountered a storm like this before. Just gotta put this up, I know a lot of you can't see it, but this is a probably, this is not, you know, the kind of boat we have today. It was made out of wood and nails and star and tar and pitch. But do you know there's nothing creepier than when it's totally dark? And it was totally dark that night. And they probably some of them were even seasick. And there was no power motor in this boat, no life preservers, no Coast Guard to rescue them. And the wind is raging around them, and rain is pouring into the boat. It was probably up to their knees. And Jesus, he's sound asleep on a pillow in the back of the boat. Today's Psalm 107 might describe the disciples' terror. Their hearts melted because of their peril. You've never felt like that? Your heart melted? They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wits' end. Have you ever been at your wits' end? Perhaps you've received a phone call in the middle of the night to learn that someone you dearly love has unexpectedly died. Or you've learned that you're facing a serious loss of health, or you have received an invitation to the boss's office to learn that you are no longer working, or your spouse wants a divorce. Such things knock us off our feet and reveal our weaknesses. Even the strong cry out and upon their knees and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This storm especially challenged the disciples' faith because it came as a result of their obedience. It was not as if they were out of God's will. Jesus had commanded the disciples to depart to the other side of the lake. This storm reminds us that being a believer provides no insulation from the storms of life. I want to consider Jesus' two questions to the disciples. Why are you so afraid, and have you still no faith? Since the tone Jesus used in speaking these questions is unknown, Let's consider several possibilities. First, Jesus asks questions as an exclamation of compassion. Jesus wakes up from his sleep, and probably shaking him, 
calm as if it were a bright summer's morning. Though it was the dead of the night and they were in the midst of a storm and finds his disciples so terrorized that he asks, why are you so afraid? Jesus wasn't surprised the disciples were fearful in such a horrendous storm, but he was compassionate that they were so fearful as to act as if they had no faith. It wasn't as if God, through Jesus, had not been blessing them, demonstrating his love and power to them in their lives all along. Not only were the disciples not like Jesus that day, they weren't even like themselves. Some were men who had earned their living upon the sea, but like frightened children, they cried, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Fear diminishes us. I'm sure the disciples later regretted the accusatory tone of the question they asked Jesus. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Even so, Jesus did not find fault with his disciples. In compassion, he went to the root of their problem by quieting their fears. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Whatever fear you might be feeling right now, Remember that Jesus will have compassion on you. Go to him in prayer and ask him to help you. While Jesus' questions were likely spoken with compassion, they could also be words spoken in love as a gentle reprimand. Earlier that very day, the disciples had believed that God had sent Jesus on a glorious mission. How could they mistrust him only hours later? Shouldn't they have been more confident in his presence on board? But they had a problem. They had a low view of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's think about this together. Jesus led his disciples into this storm for their maturing. They needed to understand who he was and is. When afterwards they saw what wonders he performed on the wind and the sea, they said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Only two words, peace, be still, and the sea was calm. Only God himself controls the wind and the sea. Such power, such authority. God was in their boat, and they had just complained to him. Now they knew an, indifferently, an entirely different kind of fear. The fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, that we thought more of Jesus. If we hold Jesus in higher esteem, 
we will have a whole new perspective. We will see our problems through a different lens, a lens of new possibilities. Perhaps you need a bigger view of who Jesus is. Do you believe that Jesus is able to deal with the storms in your life? Isaiah says, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Jesus also reprimanded his friends because he knew that their unbelief could not equip them for their future lives. These men were called by God to be apostles. The storm represented the trials and persecutions they must be able to endure. If they were so fearful in a storm on the Sea of Galilee, you know, which was familiar territory, how could they provide the leadership for the church Jesus was building? Jesus might have said to them, if these winds and this wind and waves have been too much for you. What will you do when you wrestle with principalities and powers and all kinds of spiritual wickedness? This storm was a training ground for their higher calling. The disciples would learn, despite their fears, to deal with the demands of their call. Have you ever considered how your storms are preparing you for a glorious future? A ministry that will bless you as well as others? It helps to view our troubles as God's desire to elevate us to a closer relationship with him. Trials and difficulties so often end up strengthening our faith. It's not easy to trust God is always at work for our good. But as I look back on my life, this is one advantage to being older, trouble brought me to the Lord, and it has been my troubles that have increased my faith the most. Do I look forward to trouble? No, never. But I'm starting to look at trouble in a different way. Before I might have said, why me? Why now? Why this? These are victim questions. Now when I have trouble, I try to ask Jesus the two questions found in Acts 2. What does this mean, and what shall I do? What does this mean, and what shall I do? Everything is about one thing, being made in the image of God so that we can truly look like one of God's children. Many of you know my only sibling, my younger brother Bill, died in April. Bill had played competitive tennis on Monday. 
On Wednesday, just two days later, he was pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital from a massive heart attack. My sister-in-law and my nephew, Brian, were absolutely devastated. So were we, and I will surely miss Bill. But I see the Lord at work in the midst of this in ways I could have never imagined before. One way was that I see God at work in my nephew, Brian. Brian is extremely shy. He spends most of his time in his room. It's difficult to get to know him. When he stated he definitely wanted to speak at his dad's memorial service, I was shocked. Brian wasted no time writing down what he wanted to say. And I asked if I could read it, thinking I probably needed to help him a little bit. Well, I didn't. It was perfect. The eulogy was tender, with humor, and very perspective, very perceptive of Phil's character. Brian wanted to memorize it. I warned him if he decided to read it, that would be okay. Well, the eve that evening, there were over a hundred people there, and shy Brian was to speak. When he stood up, Brian looked out at the crowd and he began to shake all over, worse than you've ever seen me. <laughs> he, was, he was, I thought, oh my goodness, he's gonna pass out. I better help him. By the time I started to get up, our daughter Kimberly was silently appeared beside Brian. She didn't touch Brian or intervene in any way. She just stood beside him in quiet support. Brian stopped shaking, pulled the talk out of the back pocket of his new suit, and delivered that eulogy. When Brian finished, there was not a dry eye in the church. It could not have been a more loving testimony to his dad. He even asked if everyone would have hope in everlasting life. I will never forget that day. While it's difficult for me to know exactly what was happening to Brian, I noticed something was definitely happening to me. My heart for this young man changed as God showed me Brian's inner strength, his courage, and his love for his father. Isn't it just like the goodness of God to put something beautiful next to something awful? Trials and adversities have the capacity to improve us. Let's hear our Lord as he reprimands us. Let's shake off our fears and resolve that by his grace, we will trust him and not be afraid. Jesus never leaves us where he finds us. He always has more for those who are in his care. 
So we have considered Jesus' questions as words of compassion and as a gentle reprimand. Well, thirdly, let's consider Jesus' question as a question that he wants his disciples and you and me to answer. How is it that you still have no faith? Just as we do, the disciples needed to know Jesus better and longer. They would endure many trials and rescues before they learned the way the Lord does things. It would take the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit for them to be the disciples that Jesus called them to be. So that when he asked, they would lay down their lives for him. Fortunately, when our faith gets battered and needs strengthening, we have all of Scripture and the Holy Spirit to comfort us. And we have each other to pray and help us when we feel pounded. Additionally, I want to leave you with something I have found helpful. When we are in a storm, I think it's often very difficult to remember those times when we have experienced God's presence and provision in our lives. Remember how the fathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, would make altars of stones where God had made himself known to them? <coughs> what they were doing was building altars of remembrance. We, too, can build altars of remembrance. One way is through writing our stories. When God blesses you in a special way, write it down and perhaps share it with a friend. Then when you need it, use it to revive your confidence that God is at work for your good. And what better thing can you leave your family as a legacy? Not everyone is a journal writer, but we can all create altars of remembrance when the Lord touches us. I have photographs and commemorative verses in my office that are altars to the special times I have had with the Lord. Our Stacy writes songs. I offer my Isaac, which you're all familiar with, came out of a profound encounter with Jesus at a retreat. Think of the ways that you can use your God-given talents, your God-given creativity, to preserve memories of when Jesus has made himself known to you. We all know this, don't we? That we have storms and that we will be confronted with our frailty as long as we live. We all have fear. What I love about Jesus is his gentleness and compassion towards us in our weakness. He's a realistic savior 
and a genuine friend in adversity. He's brilliant how he intervenes in our storms to grow us and draw us closer to him and often brings blessings in the midst of something we would never want to endure to the extent that some of you have shared with me you've been almost thankful for your storm. Just as I was so scared on our way to Nantucket and was thankful we had Skipper at the helm, I am so thankful that Jesus is skipper of our boat. Don't tell Jesus how big your storm is. Tell your storm how big your Jesus is. <laughs>